Blog Talk Radio. to PGN, Prophetic Grace Network. This is Nicole, your Book of Revelation research scientist, and today we are talking about the dead judged prophecy in the Book of Revelation. I invite you to be with me and with us as we work to understand the Book of Revelation from start to finish this year. We've been going from start to finish with the prophecies in the book of Revelation. Let's start with what is the book of Revelation? How is it organized? Where are the prophecies? And finally, analysis of the dead judged prophecy. So to begin, let's talk about the preface. The book of Revelation, indeed, it was written by John the Revelator, but in fact it has six parts, and Jesus Christ is the narrator, singularly, of one of the six parts, and John the Revelator and Jesus Christ share narration in two parts of the book of Revelation. So, so far we have Jesus in three parts of the book of Revelation. John the narrator uh, in one part. And then we have John the Revelator on his own narrating two parts. So now we're at five. And then let's begin with the first part, which will make six. The first part of the book of Revelation is the preface. This is a very interesting thing that we see here. In writing, they talk about a concept called omniscient narration. And the relevance to our discussion, the relevance to our interest in the book of Revelation is this. When we hear the preface, verses 1 to 8 of the book of Revelation, the narrator is not John the Revelator, nor is it specifically Jesus Christ. It is an omniscient and all-knowing narrator. Sometimes authors choose to use this perspective when writing a book for various reasons. I don't know all the reasons or even uh, most of the reasons why they do that, but I do think it's interesting for us to observe that and to be aware of it. So let's do this. Let's begin with hearing what is 
the book of Revelation from the perspective of an omniscient and all-knowing narrator. Sometimes you watch a movie, and then the movie comes on and someone starts talking, and so you see that use of an omniscient narrator sometimes in movies, somebody who knows everything that happened in the story. So we're about to hear from someone, perhaps it is God the Father, someone who knows everything about the book of Revelation. Let's hear it. Part one of six parts of the book of Revelation. Then we're going to go to its introduction. Then we're going to go to the location, hearing about the location where John actually received the prophecies. And then we're going to go to the actual prophecy that we're talking about today. So we're going to do this program in four parts. Part one, let's hear from the perspective of an omniscient narrator, Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. This is part 1. This is the preface. What is it? What is the book of Revelation? So the omniscient narrator is talking to you and to me, readers of the book of Revelation, and this is what the omniscient narrator says. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So in verses 1 to 2, what did we find out from the omniscient narrator? This is uh, five steps. First, God the Father uh, gives Jesus Christ a revelation. We hear that in verse 1. And then step two was Jesus Christ sends an angel to present the revelation. Uh, Jesus Christ gives the revelation to an angel. Step three, the angel then presents the revelation to John. Step four, John the Revelator receives the revelation. And then finally, here we are at step five, you and I reading about it. So all of that, very interesting. So we we arrive at the book of Revelation as a result of many steps. Now recall the Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one, so God the Father, there's, you know, First Timothy says, great is the mystery of the Godhead. So we're talking about God gave himself a human body, Jesus Christ manifest in the flesh. So Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. The Holy Spirit is God dwelling on the inside of every believer. So he's three in one, uh, but one God. Let's continue. Verse 3 says, God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says for the time is near. So we also learn from the omniscient narrator 
that everyone who reads the words of prophecy in the book of Revelation is blessed personally by God. God personally blesses everyone who reads the words of prophecy in the book of Revelation. And importantly for you, friend and truth seeker, God personally blesses all who listen to its message and who follow the instructions, who obey what it says. So every person who listens to the prophecies in the book of Revelation who uh, and obey what they say is blessed by God himself. Finally, we learn that the time, the timing in chronological time for the prophecies of the book of Revelation is near. Let's continue in this preface, part one. What else does the omniscient narrator have to tell us? The omniscient narrator says in verse 4, this letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Now think about this. You might say, um, research scientists, I don't believe you. I think that John wrote this. We know that John didn't write this because when John is writing, he doesn't refer to himself in the third person. He keeps saying, then I saw, then I did, then I did, I, I, I. He never refers to himself in the third person. That's like a weird thing, right? That that wouldn't make sense to refer to oneself in the third person, and he doesn't do that. Now, maybe some people have that as a habit. That's how they speak or how they talk, some individuals. Um, but we see in the book of Revelation, John, when he is talking about uh, what he is doing, what he has experienced from his perspective, he always uses the first person, but here it says, this letter is from John to the seven churches, churches in the province of Asia. So that's revealing a secret to us. Somebody is talking to us, but it's not John. So he doesn't say, I am writing this letter to the seven churches. It says, this letter is from John to the seven churches. Let's continue. Uh, and, and note that it says, from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia, a second secret revealed there is who's the immediate recipient of the book of Revelation? The immediate recipient would be those who are in Christ at the time that the document was written. So those are individuals who are members of the seven churches that existed in the world, and they were seven churches in the province of Asia. Now, today, there are churches in many places, and there are perhaps tens or hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of churches. I don't know the number. It would be interesting to know that. But at that time, uh, there were only seven. At that time, there were only seven. So they were the immediate recipients. Let's continue. Continuing in verse 4 of chapter 1, we're in the preface. What else does the omniscient narrator have to say to us? He says, grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. From the sevenfold spirit before his throne and from Jesus Christ. Ooh. Now we have more of the secret being revealed. So the letters from John, but grace and peace, who, who is sending that? Grace and peace to you. Who's that? You and me, readers of the book of Revelation. Who's sending us grace and peace right now? 
It says, from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. That's God the Father. Then it says, from the sevenfold spirit before his throne. I think you know who that is. And then finally it says, and from Jesus Christ. So great is the mystery of the Godhead. But we're told that the Godhead right here, we have a picture of the Godhead. The Godhead is sending you grace and peace. Who's sending you grace and peace? Number one, the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. Number two, the sevenfold spirit before his throne. And number three, Jesus Christ. All right, so this is the omniscient narrator. And the uh, omniscient narrator is sending you grace and and peace. Then it says, continuing in verse 5, he is the faithful witness to these things. Now, a pattern in the Bible is when it says he, it's always talking about the last person noted in the previous verse or sentence. So in the last sentence it said, and from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was third. So now it's picking up talking about Jesus Christ. It says, he is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. So that's important for us to know. In the preface of the book of Revelation, the omniscient narrator who knows all things, all things about the book of Revelation, deems it important enough to communicate to us, Jesus Christ is the first to rise from the dead. If there's a first, there must be a second. Who's that? I believe it's you and me. It's every person whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life. We will be among those next to rise from the dead, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Okay, let's continue. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. So this is communicating that Jesus Christ is the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. And that he freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. Now, when is Jesus the ruler of all the kings of the world? Is he ruling the president of the United States right now? Does does the president report to Jesus Christ? What about the prime minister of the U.K.? What about the emperor in uh, Tibet? What about the president of, you know, we can keep going on like this. What about the Canadian person? Uh, you know, he's in the news a lot right now. What about Macron? Is he, is he reporting to Jesus Christ? Listen, Jesus Christ is the ruler of all the kings of the world at the time that his government is established on this earth. It hasn't happened yet, but it will happen. So an omniscient narrator is communicating to us things about the past, the present, and the future. So some people will say, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Yes, we do. We know, according to Isaiah, that Jesus Christ is going to establish his government on the present earth and that of the increase of his government, 
and his peace there shall be no end. So once his government starts, it's never going to end. So the omniscient narrator is communicating that reality to us. It's also documented elsewhere in the Bible. Then it says in verse 6, He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So a lot about Jesus Christ, who he is, what he's done, and what he's going to do in the preface of the book of Revelation. Now it ends with this, verses uh, verse. Verses 7 and 8, verse 7 says, look, comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him. So we're in the future. We're in the future. Now, when he comes with the clouds of heaven, he hasn't established his government yet. But the omniscient narrator is choosing to selectively, uh, has chosen selectively, has decided to tell us key information from his perspective that we need to know. So this is a picture, this is a report of the of Jesus Christ coming. Um, it says, look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. So when he comes as the lion of the tribe of Judah at his second coming, you're not going to need to uh, turn on a radio to hear about it. It's going to be big. You'll be able to go outside and see it. Like it will be kind of like if you if you go outside right now, you can see either the moon or the sun. You can look up in the sky. Perhaps there are clouds where you are. There, are, you can look up in the sky and see things that are very big. So when he comes, it's going to be very big. He's coming with the armies of heaven. Okay, and it says, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. Let me pause for a second there. Why are they going to mourn for him? Well, we're told in Zechariah about one nation in particular and how that nation will mourn for Jesus. And that nation is Israel. And it says that they that they will mourn for Jesus like a person mourns for a first son who has passed away. It might say first son or first child. I think it says first son. Um, but like the first who passed away, like, ah, like really hard. I don't have children, so I, I can't really connect to the reality of the significance of it being the first rather than the second or the third. But it says that in Zechariah. And the point is there's a report that with the realization, with the understanding that, wait a minute, Jesus Christ is the Messiah and he is one of us and he actually died on the cross, our Messiah. And so when they realize what has happened and how depraved and wretched and full of sin the state of humanity, uh, the state of humanity and specifically talking about Israel, the reality of their connection to it, they're going to mourn. But note that mourning for the death of Jesus Christ is not limited to Israel. It says, 
and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. So he died on the cross because of the sins of all, okay? And certainly uh, when we look at the nations, uh, Israel's only one nation, an important nation, but when we look at the nations, the plurality of nations, all have sinned. Then it says, um, and all the nations of the world, all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. In verse eight, verse eight, we're finishing the preface. What else does the omniscient narrator want us to know? So the book of Revelation is the revealing of Jesus Christ. When is he revealed? He's revealed at the timing of his second coming. So the book of Revelation is about his second coming, the events leading up to it and the events following. So it's the revealing. So if you are in Christ, Jesus Christ has been revealed to you. But there are billions of people who are not in Christ, and he has not been revealed to them. So it's talking about the revealing of Jesus Christ to the nations in their entirety. Finally, the omniscient narrator tells us this about, um, as part of the preface for the book of Revelation, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. So any doubt about who is narrating the preface for the book of Revelation. We can look at verse 8, and we can look at verse 4. Okay, but uh, verse 8 is the definitive verse. Now, let's keep going. I shared that the book of Revelation has six parts. So we have the preface. We just heard it. We heard how the book of Revelation, we get to it because there were five steps that happened. And an omniscient narrator communicated that uh, grace and peace comes is being sent to us, the readers of the book of Revelation, from God the Father, from the Holy Spirit, and from Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ will be the King of kings and Lord of lords. In fact, he's already that because all time exists within God. So within God the Father, it's already happened. But for us as human beings, we're limited right now to linear time hasn't happened yet for us but for god it's already happened okay and then we're told that when he returns uh part of his return will be people will mourn when they realize the 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 reality that the role uh, that humans have played in the demise of jesus christ now how does it all start with the step that begins with John. So we learn that step one, God has a revelation. Step two, he gives it to Jesus Christ. Step three, Jesus Christ gives it to an angel. Step four, angel, and all of this was in the preface. Step four, uh, the angel presents the revelation to his servant, John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. So, the angel begins to show John moving pictures with sound, visions, visions. 
So these are the prophecies in the book of Revelation. And the fourth thing we're going to do today is we're going to look at the dead judged prophecy. But some other things happen before before that step. So Jesus spends some time with John the Revelator before John the Revelator connects to the angel. It's kind of like you're going to, uh, you know, you're, you're going, you have some important things to do today, and at the beginning of the day you're going to spend time with one person, and then later in the day you're going to spend time with the second person. So the bulk of the book of Revelation, the prophecies, which are the visions John the Revelator was shown, which and he wrote the, everything he saw down in words, that's the bulk of the book of Revelation, but, um, and that starts with chapter 5. So that's, uh, that's part 5 of the book of Revelation, and it starts with chapter 5. But before we get to that, some other things happen. Jesus spends time with John the Revelator. So now let's hear briefly about, we heard about part 1 which is the preface for the book of Revelation. Let's go to part two, which is the formal introduction. Jesus spends time with John the Revelator. We're going to hear about, uh, we're going to hear what Jesus and John are saying to us. Okay, we're going to hear about how it all started with John, with step four, and then we're going to hear uh, what they want to say to us as readers of the book of Revelation. Part three of the book of Revelation is Jesus only talking. If you look at chapters two and three, those are seven letters to seven churches. Only Jesus is talking. So when we go to parts two and three of the book of Revelation, part two, which we're about to hear, the formal introduction, it's John and Jesus, or you could say Jesus and John. Part three, the seven letters to seven churches, 100% of those are only the words of Jesus Christ. So we haven't even gotten to the prophecies. So we're told in the preface that John faithfully wrote down everything he saw, but we're not yet at everything he saw. We don't get to that to chapter five. Part four of the book of Revelation is John's report on heaven, what he actually saw. So we've got to work our way up to what did John actually see in terms of the prophecies in the book of Revelation? Okay, we're not there yet. Right now, let's get the formal introduction. So verses 8 to 20, that's the end of chapter 1. I'm sorry, verses 9 to 20. It's the formal introduction. So we're about to hear how did it all start with step 4 with John? How did it all start? This is what he says. Uh, and remember, in the formal introduction, we have John, the first thing he does is he meets with Jesus. So he's going to tell us about how that happened, and then we're going to hear from some of the things that Jesus said. Okay, so both uh, Jesus, is, we'll, we'll hear those words too. Here it is, the formal introduction for the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 9 to 20. I, John am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day, 
and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. That's the formal introduction to the book of Revelation. That's how it all started. John the Revelator's on that island, and all of a sudden, he gets a visitation from Jesus Christ. How do we know it's Jesus Christ? He says, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. Remember, Jesus Christ is the first one. Uh, to rise from the dead. And he also, John also tells us that extending from the mouth of the person talking to him, the person who visited him, was a a two-edged sword. Now, in Revelation chapter 19, we hear more about this two-edged sword. It's actually the weapon used in the Battle of Armageddon to, uh, to annihilate the enemies of Israel. The two-edged sword is the weapon that Jesus Christ wields at the Battle of Armageddon. We get a a picture in the Marriage Supper prophecy of Jesus all geared up. You know, when people go to war, they, they, they get their gear on. So they have a certain outfit that they wear, and they put all their gear on, whatever footwear, headwear, weapons, they get geared up. Jesus Christ, we have a picture of his outfit and his gear, what weaponry he's going to use. And uh, two weapons are mentioned, the key weapon mentioned in the Battle of Armageddon. We're told that the rider of the white horse, the person who uh, has on his thigh, uh, Lord of, King of all kings and Lord of all lords, Lord of all lords and King of all kings, that's Jesus Christ, that his name is faithful and true, that he wears many crowns, and that a two-edged sword comes from his mouth, and all of the enemies uh, at the Battle of Armageddon, um, they're destroyed when that weapon is uh, utilized. 
Okay, so it's very clear in the introduction that John actually has a visitation from Jesus. That's how it all starts with John's part, okay? That's how it all starts with John's part. But we heard that step four, John actually getting the revelation. Now, that's part two. So we had the preface of the, is part one of the book of Revelation, the introduction with uh, John telling us where he was when Jesus visited him. That's part two. Part three is what Jesus Christ had to say to the seven churches at that time. Now, here we are in 2023. Today is Sunday, November 26th of 2023. Um, We're interested in what Jesus Christ is saying to us now. And, of course, he's the same uh, yesterday, today, and forever. He had words of criticism for those churches. Six of the seven churches had um, some criticism. Uh, Each of the seven churches had words from Jesus where he gave them promises, promises for all of them who would finish the race victoriously. In other words, all who would die in Christ. So he had... uh, promises for all of the seven churches, and he had uh, words of praise. So words of praise, words of criticism, and promises. That's what we have in chapters 2 and 3. Who were they for? They were specifically for the seven churches that existed at that time. So it's a beautiful, the seven letters to seven churches, very beautifully written. I love the way that they're written, chapters two and three. If you use a red letter Bible, all of the words in chapters two and three will be in red because it's 100% of the words of Jesus Christ. So uh, John wrote down everything that Jesus Christ uh, said for him to write down And he wrote these things down. Each letter was for the angel for that church. So that the – I'm just going to pause there. I'm just going to pause there. So that's part three of the book of Revelation. Now, we're working our way up to the prophecy. Part four. So, again, in the preface it said, John the Revelator faithfully wrote down everything he saw. What did he see? He saw 12 – visions that an angel of the Lord showed him, moving pictures with sound that were external to himself. Today we call moving pictures with sound movies. That's what he saw. Okay, but before the angel of the Lord shows him these uh, visions, these movies, if you will, documentaries about future realities, before the angel of the Lord does that, John has to get to the location where the angel of the Lord is. This supernatural experience has two parts. Part one, John the, Revelation, John the Revelator has a visitation from Jesus on this present earth. Part two, John is supernaturally transported from this present earth to another physical location, which is present heaven. Now let's hear about John's report on heaven. So that's part four, chapter four. That's kind of easy to remember, right? 
Part 4 of the book of Revelation, chapter 4. We're working our way up to uh, John being shown prophecies, documentaries, visions about the future. I'm using those words interchangeably, talking about the exact same thing. Uh, Now, before he's shown by the angel of the Lord these documentaries about the future, he has to go to where the angel is. The angel is in heaven. Now, you might say, well, why, why didn't God send the angel um, to earth to show him? I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, perhaps there's not the Im- immersive uh, movie experience <laughs> on the present earth. I have no idea why. But interestingly, um, we're going to hear about the documentaries John the Revelator was shown. But first, let's hear about him being supernaturally transported to heaven. And when he's supernaturally transported to heaven, he tells us before he documents the visions that the angel shows him, he documents how he was supernaturally transported to heaven and what he saw when he arrived. So that's what part four of the book of Revelation is. Part four is John's report on heaven. Now remember, this is just a brief thing. The main thing he was there to do was not to do a tour of heaven, not to sightsee all the parts of heaven, not to do a meet and greet with his ancestors who was in who who are in heaven. No, no, no. He was in heaven to be shown by the angel of the Lord uh, things to come. But I am excited that he did take some time to briefly report what he saw and how it, how it happened that he was transported to heaven. Here it is, John's report on heaven, chapter 4 of the book of Revelation. Then, as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before, spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. Now, what just happened there? That's verse 1 of chapter 4. Let me say it one more time. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven. And the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here. I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian, and the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them, They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes, front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings. And their wings were 
covered all over with eyes, inside and out, day after day and night after night. They keep on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you please. That is John's report on heaven, chapter 4, part 4 of the book of Revelation. So we're unlocking the secrets of the book of Revelation. We're understanding it from start to finish. God's giving that to us. So when you open the book of Revelation, if you're in chapter 4, you're not seeing metaphors. You're not seeing uh, symbols. You're seeing an actual report of what John saw in heaven. So when he talks about, uh, like, eagle's wings and he talks about uh, 24 elders and emerald and the rainbow and living beings, let me go back. He says, the first of these living beings was like a lion. This is not the same lion referred to in Daniel chapter 7 or Revelation chapter 13. This is something totally different. This is, again, John was supernaturally transported to heaven, and before he was shown documentaries, visions external to himself, he was he was there, and it was incredible. And so, to to our you know for our for our benefit, he elected to tell us what he saw in heaven. So if you ever wonder, what does heaven look like? Well, here's a picture of the throne room. He saw the one sitting on the throne, and he saw who else got to be, who who else was in that room at that time. Okay, now, let's move on. Part 5 begins with Chapter 5 of the Book of Revelation. This is John documenting everything he saw with respect to the things to come. Remember, at the end of the formal introduction, Jesus told him to write down the things that are happening now and the things to come. So the things to come primarily are in the visions the angel of the Lord shows to John the Revelator. Now, how does this happen? John had an immersive experience. You know, um, today they can create uh, an experience where they project someone, they they project, project moving pictures with sound and so it's 3d and it's in in an experience i don't even know the exact language to use to describe it but essentially this is what happened beginning with chapter five we're now where john's in the movie theater 
What am I saying? I'm, I'm using that language, movie theater, to communicate. We're at the part where in the preface an omniscient narrator says an angel was assigned to present the revelation to John. So we're, we were in Chapter 1, then in Chapter 2, Chapter 3, Chapter 4. We haven't gotten to that part yet. So remember, the omniscient narrator tells us, God the Father tells us in the preface that part three is that of the book, part step three, I should say, is step three is for the angel of the Lord to present the revelation to John, the revelator. How how does he present the revelation, the angel? How does the angel of the Lord present the revelation to John? He does this by giving John an experience where he sees documentaries. You might say, Nicole, I've never heard that before. Let me explain. John the Revelator was shown what is referred to in some places as visions and in other places as prophecies. So these were moving pictures with sound that John the Revelator was shown. Today we would call moving pictures with sound that are external to oneself a movie. So if you have moving pictures of sound inside your head while you're asleep, that's a dream, right? If you have moving pictures with sound inside your head while you're awake, it's daydreaming. But he didn't have either of those two experiences. He was 100% awake, and these were not dreams that he caused himself to have. These were moving pictures with sound that were created by God the Father, and given to Jesus Christ, who then gave it to John, the uh, gave it to the angel with the assignment to present this to my servant John. So now we're at that point, understanding that the angel is presenting moving pictures with sound from God the Father, given to Jesus Christ, then to the angel. Now now we're at that point. So when I experience moving pictures with sound, I'm normally going to, you know, our favorite theater, which is uh the AMC theater. We like that's where we like going. Um you know, they have those reclined seats. It's wonderful. I don't know if John the Revelator had reclined seats or if he was standing. We're not told uh you know, these kinds of details. But John the Revelator is about to tell us in great detail exactly what he saw and heard. Now, if you go to watch one of these Michael Moore films, we refer to his films as documentaries. Why? He's documenting realities, past realities. So we call them documentaries. But if a human being had the opportunity to document future realities, we still call it a documentary. So in that way, John the Revelator was actually shown 
visions, which are documentaries. Documentaries about what, Nicole? Documentaries about soon coming realities. Documentaries about future realities. So beginning with Chapter 5, we have the first documentary. Then in Chapter 8, Verse 2, the second. And then in Chapter 12, in its entirety, is the third one. Chapter 4, in its uh, uh, Chapter uh, 13, is the fourth documentary. Chapter 14 has two documentaries. The first five verses are Documentary 5. The rest are Documentary 6. The seventh documentary is chapters 15 and 16. The eighth documentary is uh, chapters 17 and 18, as well as the first five verses of chapter 19. The ninth documentary is the Marriage Supper Prophecy. That's the documentary about the Battle of Armageddon. Now, the Battle of Armageddon is mentioned in multiple documentaries, but where we have the documentary that focuses nearly exclusively on it, that's documentary number nine, The Marriage Supper Prophecy. Uh, by the way, we've been doing these documentaries uh, in, the, in, their, in the order that they appear in the book of Revelation. We've been doing that this year on PGN. So if you're curious uh, or you want to learn about the first documentary, the second, the third, you can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash live prophetic. And in January, it's just documentary number one. All the Secrets Revealed programs in January are on documentary number one because January is the first month in the year. And all the uh, programs in February, documentary number two, that's what we've been doing this year. I think next year we might go in reverse order. But that's what we've been doing this year. Um, Documentary number 10 is uh, chapter 20 of the book of Revelation. Uh, Chapter 20, verses 1 to 10. That's documentary number 10. Today we're focused on the dead judge prophecy. It's November, so we're going to be talking about documentary number 11 because it's November. It's the 11th month of the year. We're talking about documentary number 11 Uh, In its verses 11 to 15 of chapter 20, the dead judge prophecy, and the final prophecy. So the culminating vision, the culminating prophecy, the culminating documentary in the book of Revelation is documentary number 12, the new earth prophecy. Very exciting. We're going to start talking about that. Uh, Every program for the rest of the year is going to be about the new earth prophecy. We're going to start that on Thursday. Okay. So let me also share with you the names of the prophecies. Then we're going to go to the dead judge prophecy. That's our fourth and final uh, fourth and final part for today's program. So you just heard that the bulk of the book of Revelation are these visions that the angel presented to John the Revelator. Now, I have to admit, I'm curious, did he see them? Like, uh, were they two-dimensional or three-dimensional? I'm very I'm very curious about that. Uh, perhaps there's a way to figure that out. But um, let us go to 
Let us go to now. Oh, I wanted to say the names of the documentaries. So here are the names of all the documentaries. I shared where they are in the book of Revelation. Uh, by the way, the one-page study notes accompany every talk for this year and some from last year. But the one-page basic study notes are also available at blogtalkradio.com forward slash live prophetic. As you know, uh, everything on PGN is free. There's no merchandising on PGN, praise God. Everything's free. So you can go there to get uh, the one-page basic study notes that accompany every talk. Um, here are the names of the 12 prophecies in the book of Revelation that begin, of course, as you know, with chapter 5, and they end with verse 5 of chapter 22. The first documentary in the book of Revelation is the seven seals documentary. You could also call it the seven seals prophecy. Second is the seven trumpets prophecy. Third is the 1,260 days prophecy. Fourth is the 666 antichrist prophecy. Fifth is the earth the earth reaped prophecy. Sorry, uh, fifth is the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. Sixth is the earth reaped prophecy. Uh, seventh is the seven plagues prophecy. Eight, number eight, the eighth documentary that the angel of the Lord presented to John the Revelator is the purple and scarlet prophecy. The ninth prophecy is the marriage supper prophecy. The tenth prophecy is the millennial reign prophecy and of course today we're talking about the dead judged prophecy which is prophecy number 11 and the 12th and final the pinnacle prophecy in the book of revelation is the new earth prophecy okay let's get to it the dead judged prophecy here it is so now you know uh where it is and why it's there and uh it's time for us to hear it the dead judged prophecy revelation chapter 20 verses 11 to 15 so this is right after the millennial reign prophecy so jesus christ he's already returned for the purposes of the first resurrection and um you know what i want to read the prophecy and then talk about it here it is the dead judged prophecy Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15, John the Revelator says, And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. Now, how did he see it? Remember, the angel of the Lord is showing him this moving pictures with sound. He's showing him this documentary. So he couldn't record it with his cell phone. He didn't have a cell phone. He didn't have a cell phone. He didn't have your cell phone, my cell phone. He didn't have a video camera. So what was the technology that existed 2,000 years ago? Parchment and a writing utensil. So he used those. Okay, so he tells us, And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened including the book of life and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books the sea gave up its dead and death in the grave gave up their dead and all were judged 
according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. That's it, the dead judge prophecy. The dead judge prophecy. Now, I want to paraphrase verse by verse what we just heard there. So the first thing John the Revelator was shown is God the Father sitting on a great white throne. Then he tells us in verse 12 that human beings are standing before God's throne. And it's not just rich people or poor people or middle-class folks, but it's everyone. Who's everyone? Everyone who was dead. Everyone who was dead. Now, that's key. We're going to come back to that. Everyone who was dead all of a sudden is undead. (laughs) What does it mean to be undead? To be undead is to have been resurrected. Now, we heard earlier in the Millennial Reign prophecy that not only is there a first resurrection, but there's another resurrection. So these folks who were dead are now undead. They've participated in another resurrection, referred to in Revelation chapter 20, verse 5. It says, In chapter 20, verse 5, in the Millennial Reign Prophecy, the rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Well, now the thousand years had ended. So in verse 12, the second thing we're told in verse 12, the the dead are now undead. So folks who missed the first resurrection have participated in another resurrection. They are standing before God's throne. And some of these are like great folks, you know, movers and shakers, great as the, you know, the world, as far as the world standards are concerned. And some are small as far as the world standards are concerned. But nonetheless, they all have this same fate. They they're arrive at the same place. Then we're told that each was judged. So they're not judged as a group. So no one gets to say, well, my mom did this or my dad did this or my aunt or my grandmother or my grandpa. Nope. Each is judged according to his or her own deeds. And it says here, bottom line, bottom line. So you might you might start thinking, let me give myself a letter grade. How good am I? And maybe you say, oh, I think I'm 85 or I'm 92 or, you know, I'm 23. Listen, if your number is not 100, that means that your name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. What am I saying? The bottom line is this. Anyone whose name was not found recorded in the Book of Life, so this is the last line in the dead judged prophecy. It says anyone whose name was not found recorded in the Book of Life was thrown into the lake of fire. What does it mean? This lake of fire is the second death, and it's permanent. Any of us who dies today, tomorrow, next week, in five years, any of us who die before Jesus comes, it's just temporary. And the Bible repeatedly refers to death as falling asleep. 
Um, why? Why? How? How is death falling asleep? Death is falling asleep when you understand the reality of the resurrections with an S. The reality of the resurrections is that those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life will participate in the first resurrection, and the rest of the dead will participate in another resurrection. And the outcome of the rest of the dead is here in the dead judge prophecy. The outcome is here. Now let's work our way backwards in uh, linear time. So here we are at the dead judge prophecy. All these people, they're thrown into the lake of fire. Well, what happened before that? How, how, did, how, did this, how does all of this happen? So immediately before the great white throne judgment, what happens? Satan thrown into the lake of fire. What does that mean? Well, verse 10 of chapter 20, so remember the dead judge prophecy starts with verse 11. The millennial reign prophecy is verses 1 to 10 of chapter 20. At the end of the millennial reign, so at the end of the first thousand years after Jesus Christ has returned, it says this is what happens. Then the devil who had deceived them, was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So Satan precedes his children into the lake of fire. Every human being will spend eternity with his father or with her father. I'm not talking about your biological father. I'm talking about your heavenly father. In the heavens are God the Father, Jesus Christ, the sevenfold spirit, right? The Holy Spirit also dwells on the inside of us, but the sevenfold spirit, we're told there in the throne room. But my point right now is this. In the heavenlies are... God the Father and the angels. Now, sometimes angels are sent to the present earth on assignment. But ultimately, every person, according to the Bible, will spend eternity with their father. So the Bible says that there are those who are the children of God, and those who are the children of Satan. And in one of the epistles, the letters of instruction, we're told how to tell them apart. But that's outside the scope of our discussion today. Today, what are we focused on? What happened before this great white throne judgment? Immediately before the children of Satan are thrown into the lake of fire, and then death itself is thrown into the lake of fire. Before those key events happen, Satan is thrown into the lake of fire. Now, some people get very worked up about the idea of uh, the lake of, of fire as if it's uh, punishment. I don't know if I think of the second death as a punishment anymore. 
I perceive it as a consequence of a decision. So ultimately, we're going to a new earth. And on the new earth, there'll be no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more grief, no more mourning. It will be a perfected, glorified earth. No evil thing can be on it. No evil person can be on it. And nothing with evil in it can be on it. So every evil thing, evil entity, every evil person has to be some other place, some other place, someplace other than the new earth. Well, where where is that other place going to be? That other place is the second death. Now, you might say, well, why can't their other place be an alternative earth? I don't know. God says that these are folks who have chosen to enjoy evil. They have chosen to enjoy evil, and that's why they will experience eternal damnation. Some people people just enjoy evil. The Bible tells us that. They, uh, many folks, do things that are wrong, right? We've all sinned and fallen short. But it's one thing to uh, sin and have it be like a lifestyle, and it's a, a lifestyle that generates pleasure, pleasure from the sin, the wrong acts. Um, that is different than someone who is sinning and hates the sin. So the people who reject the truth, the people who reject God, they are enjoying evil. And so for those reasons, they get to ultimately be all together. So right now, all of the weeds of the earth, they benefit because they're growing up with the wheat. Who's the wheat? The Christians. They get to be with us. So God sends uh, blessings, for example, We get water. We need water to survive. But the water doesn't just go to the saints. The sinners get to partake in that blessing as well. But that's only for a finite period of time. Ultimately, the sinners will be doomed. They will be doomed to simply enjoy evil. Where is that happening? And I don't think they're enjoying evil, but they will be with all the others who have rejected God, all of the others who have enjoyed evil, and they will be with their father, Satan. Where? In the lake of fire. Okay, when does that happen? At the end of the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ on this earth. Now, what happened before that? Satan, at the end of the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ on this earth, he's released from the bottomless pit. Now, in the purple and scarlet prophecy uh, that's referred to, the bottomless pit, um, In the Seven Trumpets Prophecy, there's another uh, reference to the bottomless pit. But here we are in the Millennial Reign Prophecy, just going back to understand what happened before the Great White Throne Judgment. After Jesus Christ fights and wins the the Battle of Armageddon, Satan gets into hand-to-hand combat with an angel. We're not told which angel it is. Satan gets into hand-to-hand combat with an angel of the Lord, He's defeated. The angel wraps him up in chains, throws him into the bottomless pit underneath the earth, and locks him up in there. 
Then we have a thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ on this earth. We could spend some time talking about that. Let me briefly mention a couple things. During this thousand years, Satan's locked up, so he's not doing what he normally does. And during this thousand years, we will have on the earth both mortals and immortals. It will be a time of peace. You say, well, how can that be? Because all of the presidents and prime ministers of the nations, they will report to the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. Now we're getting it. Now we're getting it. Jesus Christ is king of all kings and Lord of all lords. When? When? Once he returns and establishes his government on the present earth. Okay, so he establishes his government. The nations, most of the nations are going to continue, not all. Not all. We're told in the Bible some nations that will be destroyed. For example, Egypt is Egypt is going to be a wasteland. Egypt is going to be a wasteland. Um, but let's stay with the millennial reign prophecy, key facts. The nations, most of the nations will continue. The leaders of every nation will report to Jesus Christ. So, He's the big kahuna, if you will. And it's not a government that's for 100 years or 500 years. It's a government that's going to last forever. At the end of the thousand years, Satan's released. He's released in that timing. Why in that timing? I have no idea. Uh, uh, There's some speculation. I I could speculate, but... I don't feel led to do that right now. I just want to communicate the facts of the timeline. He's released at the end of the thousand years. He's permitted to roam the earth as he did before. So he's roaming the earth, and he finds some suckers. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Now, a thousand years earlier, 100% of the people who believed him died. 100% of the people who believed him uh, lost their lives. But it's been a thousand years. So these new mortals, they don't remember. Now think about this. Do you remember what happened last year? Maybe. What about 10 years ago? You say less but some. What about 100 years ago? No, no, not much. I wasn't alive then. What about a thousand years ago? Do you remember what happened a thousand years ago? I don't. And probably you don't either. Maybe the historians among us uh, remember some of that stuff. Listen, Satan's been in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. When he's released, he's going to go around the earth everywhere. And it says he's going to pick up a lot of people. It says their numbers are going to be like the sand of the seashore. Now, what is he telling them? He's getting them hyped. He's telling them, we're about to take over Jerusalem. We're going to rule and reign on this earth. We're taking back this earth from Jesus. Now, why would some people be motivated to believe Satan? Like if they can see Jesus Christ in the flesh, and they can, we will see him. Remember, there will be those who are mortal and those who are immortal. And right now, there's a certain way that we think about people. 
But Israel, we're told repeatedly, is going to be restored. So when Jesus Christ returns, Israel is going to be a jewel. It's going to be first among nations. Don't be mad at me about that. I'm simply reporting what the Bible says, not my fantasy, not my purposes and plans. I'm telling, I'm I'm communicating realities documented in the Bible. As you can imagine, some people are going to be mad at that. Some people are going to be mad at that. Those people who uh, perhaps are mortal and uh, those who who don't see what they want happening happening, some some people choose not to cooperate with God. Think about the fact that when Jesus was here last time, God manifests in the flesh, yet look how many rejected him. We shouldn't be surprised that in the future, in the millennial reign, there will be some who fail to participate in the first resurrection, and, and they're rejecting him. Okay, so those folks who are rejecting Jesus, they're going to be very excited to hear Satan's plan because they, they, they think they're about to elevate. They think they're going to have a come up. They think they're going to be put in charge, that they're going to be empowered and enriched in ways that they have fantasized about, but it's not going to happen. What happens? There's no new battle of Armageddon. There's no war. Satan works them up into a frenzy. He has them approach Jerusalem just like at the Battle of Armageddon. Like I said, suckers, more suckers. They go with him, uh, and then it says this, He will gather them together for battle, a mighty army, as numberless as sand along the seashore. And I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people in the beloved city. Okay, so... At the end of the thousand years, here they are. He's gathered them from every place on the earth. He's told them where to come, what time to um, get there. They're all together. And then here's what happens. So, so they have surrounded Jerusalem, and they've surrounded um, God's people. Elsewhere in the Bible, we're told that every person who participates in the first resurrection has uh, a share in uh has a share. Let, let me pause. That's outside the scope of what we're talking about. So what happens here? It says, but fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. So there's not even, they don't even get to, like, fight or anything. They're all there in one place. Great. God can take them out at one time, and he does that. So fire simply descends from heaven. It's a holy fire. It's very hot. And they are consumed, just like Sodom and Gomorrah. It's it's just done. And that's it. Um, Then after that, Satan's thrown into the lake of fire. So that precedes that. Now, what happened before the millennial reign? So we heard at the beginning of the millennial reign, uh, uh, Satan was thrown into the bottomless pit after getting into hand-to-hand combat with the angel. At the end of the millennial reign, he's let loose. Now, you might be saying, I want to hear more about what's happening with us human beings during the millennial reign. I do, too, and we hear more about that in Isaiah um, and elsewhere in the Bible. But the key event with the millennial reign prophecy is how do we arrive at Satan being destroyed? That's really the key event. Now, it's a 1,000 years. Um, So that's really the take-home point. Now, before... Before Jesus Christ is uh, ruling and reigning for the first thousand years, what happened? Battle of Armageddon. Battle of Armageddon. 
That's the Marriage Supper Prophecy, documentary number nine. The Millennial Reign Prophecy is documentary number ten. The Marriage Supper Prophecy, documentary number nine. Now, what happens before the Battle of Armageddon? This is very interesting. Now we're getting to the part where you and I, uh, soon, very, very soon coming events. So before the Battle of Armageddon is the wrath of God. Now there's the final judgment. That's the dead judge prophecy. That's the great white throne judgment. That's the final judgment. That's the last thing that happens before we go to the new earth. But there's also the wrath of God. The wrath of God culminates with the battle of Armageddon, but it also has seven final plagues. Seven final plagues. So that's documentary uh, documentary number eight, the seven final plagues. Interestingly, if you're curious about if you're curious about what happens to the harlot church, the one world religion promoted by the uh, false prophet who works in tandem with the Antichrist, the demise of the harlot church is documented in documentary number eight. So that's reported in documentary number eight. It's uh, it's a zoom in of an event, I believe, that's described in Documentary 7, but we're zooming in on it in Documentary 8. So Documentary number 7, the seven final plagues um, culminate with the Battle of Armageddon, not limited to it, but culminates with the Battle of Armageddon, and um, it's the wrath of God. Now, what happens before the seven final plagues? The first resurrection. It took me years to perceive it. I was asked that question, and I just wasn't sure. But I am persuaded that the first resurrection happens before the seven final plagues. You might say, research scientists, what makes you think that? Well, if you look at the fifth and sixth documentaries, they're all about the resurrection, the harvest. And it talks about the harvest, of course, of the wheat, what's that? The good fish, those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, life, the sheep, okay, all who are in Christ. And there's also a report of uh, events after, but the key focus of both the earth-reaped prophecy and the 144,000 first-fruits prophecy is the reality of the resurrection for those who are in Christ at the time of his return, as well as all of Israel who is there waiting for their Messiah, the 144,000. So there's that event. Now, let's back up to one more key event, and we're exactly where we need to be. One more key event. The Great Tribulation, the wrath of Satan. So the wrath of Satan is documented in several places. Documentary number four, the 666 
Antichrist prophecy focuses on what happens when war is waged against Christians. That's the focus of the 666 Antichrist prophecy. Revelation chapter 13, we hear details. We're told six actions of the false prophet, and we're told about the ten-nation alliance, the one-world government that will dominate economic and political affairs. And we're told about the rise of the Antichrist and the reality that he's going to increase in power. He's going to do whatever he wants for exactly 42 months, a finite period of time. Not 84 months. So seven years is 84 months. Okay, so there is a seven-year period. There are two seven-year periods. But for now, we're just focusing on what's the timeline of events. Forty-two months, three and a half years of the wrath of Satan. So now let's do it in reverse order, and then we're going to end. So how did we arrive at the dead judged prophecy? What's the timing of that? The Great Tribulation, three and a half years of the wrath of Satan. The wrath of Satan is a time of Great Tribulation for who? Christians. Christians. Then we have the first resurrection. Then we have the wrath of God. The wrath of God is a time of Great Tribulation for who? Those who are the children of Satan, Satan's people. So the wrath of God is a time of great tribulation for Satan's people. That happens next. It culminates with the Battle of Armageddon. It culminates with the Battle of Armageddon. After the Battle of Armageddon is fought and won, we go into the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ on this present earth. That's the timing of him being Lord of all lords and king of all kings. He's not ruling and reigning over uh, the United Kingdom or Nigeria or the United States of America or Mexico. None of our leaders report to Jesus Christ right now, but they will. But they will win. After he fights and wins the Battle of Armageddon and he establishes his government on this earth. At the beginning, at the beginning, immediately after fighting and winning the Battle of Armageddon, um, the Antichrist and the false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire. They're done. Satan's not done yet, but he is bound. After getting into hand-to-hand combat with the angel of the Lord, he is wrapped up in chains and he's thrown into the bottomless pit thousand years comes to an end he's let loose for a short while he persuades those who enjoy evil to get together in armies they approach jerusalem where god the father is going to make his permanent abode on the new earth they approach that location in israel that city uh they're foolish suckers they all die 100 percent of them uh after They all die. Then their father, Satan, he's thrown into the lake of fire. Now, they're not thrown into the lake of fire yet. After Satan's thrown into the lake of fire, now we have three in the lake of fire. Who? The Antichrist, the false prophet, and Satan. There are only two more enemies of God left. God the Father has five enemies. 
Who are they? Well, three are done. Antichrist, false prophet, and Satan. What does it mean to be done? They are forever separated from God. They are in a location from which they can never, ever escape, and they will never be reunited with believers or God. They will be forever separated from us in eternal darkness um, in the lake of fire that burns with sulfur and brimstone forever and ever. That means there's no opportunity for them to corrupt you and me. Hallelujah. Now, Satan's in the lake of fire. Now it's time to wrap this thing up. And First Peter, and First Peter, let's go to it. First Peter, chapter four, verse seven says, "The end of the world is coming soon." When's that? That's after the dead judge prophecy. So we have talked today about the dead judge prophecy. After the great white throne judgment, the world ends. You say, well. Uh, research scientists, what are you talking about? After the dead judged prophecy, we go immediately to a new earth and new heavens. The old earth goes through, it, it wears out. The Bible tells us it wears out like an old cloak. We go to a new earth and new heavens. Do you think Satan is smarter than God? The Garden of Eden was his vision. He wanted to spend time with his family in the Garden of Eden. Is he forever doomed to uh, spend time with his family only in present heaven? Absolutely not. He's going to spend time with all of his family members on the new earth. That's going to be forever. So... Um, take home point at the great white throne judgment that's the dead judge prophecy we heard today it's time to wrap it all up so all of the rest of the dead the people who didn't participate in the first resurrection it's time for them to get their cases heard so if they have not followed God's plan for salvation they haven't had their sins blotted out they haven't paid for their sin debt sin is a debt every time you sin Every time you sin, every time I sin, it's recorded in our book in heaven, and it's a debt. And that debt has to be paid in order for us to be eligible to be on the new earth. We have to have an account balance that's zero. You understand that? You want to do this or that? They say your account balance needs to be clear, zero. You can't have anything that you owe. The only way to get our account balance paid for is through mediation, Jesus Christ. So we can do that by following Acts chapter 2, verse 38. So after the great white throne judgment ends, that's the end of the world, and we go to the new earth. Hallelujah. Join me and join us next Sunday when we talk about the new earth prophecy here on PGM Prophetic Grace Network. Thank you for being with me and with us today. And according to Jeremiah 33, 3, I urge you to call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know.